Welcome to Running Is Bullshit, I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart. Welcome to episode 102 of Running Is Bullshit. In this episode, we'll be discussing why some people just can't stand the idea of running and exploring alternative ways to stay active and healthy. Whether you're someone who's never been a fan of running or someone who's tried it and just can't seem to enjoy it, this episode is for you. So grab your headphones, sit back, get ready to learn about all the other ways you can stay fit without ever having to lace up your running shoes. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that introduction was written by an AI. I'm I'm basically turning over all of bits of script now to AI because it's much easier and quicker. I think we should just use it all the time now. Yep, yep. Just get the, an AI to write the script, AI to, to say it, you know, easy. They can read it out and edit it, publish it for us. And people can keep sending us money. That is ideal. Passive income. That's what it's all about. It's all about creating passive income. That's what the podcast game is. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what are we bitching about this week? I guess just like icy pavements and stuff, yeah? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not been that icy around here, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're kind of cold. down by the coast, aren't you? So it's probably not as bad. Yeah, but it's cold, isn't it? Yeah, I, I asked on Twitter the other day because we didn't really have uh, a whole load of, to go on. And it's pretty much what everyone said. It's just very icy. People are falling over. There's black ice. People are going early. It's dark in the morning. It's not that dark in the morning now. I went out like half past seven. It was fine the other day. Uh, and it was all right. It's fine. Yeah. Do you know what? I actually quite like running on icy trails. Yes. When like yes. really hard, crunchy mud, because at least you know it's hard mm-hmm. and it's not going to be squishy, or slippery or wet. You just know it's going to be solid. And as long as it's not like a big ankle breaker, you're not going too quick. I, I quite like the feeling of running on really hard frozen trails. Yeah. Is that weird? No, I totally agree. I okay. prefer trails that aren't muddy and slippery. Also, it means I can bring Pippin back and she's clean. I don't have to pose her down. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, if usually if it's really, really cold, it's very, very dry as well. That's been really handy the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, bring on a bit more of that. Uh, not much to update from the last episode, but I'm glad you all enjoyed the intro to the episode. We didn't actually mention it in the episode after it because I didn't finish doing it until after we recorded um, so, but I'm glad a few of you noted the Wilhelm scream, which has to be in there. Of course. Uh, let's have... Oh, this is really early. This is super quick now. We're banging through this straight away. This is the AI uh, really kicking in there. Uh, <laughs> let's have a tea update. Ooh. We're partnered with Bird and Blend Tea, which means we'll tell you what tea we're drinking. And if you like the sound of it, you can go to runningisbs.com forward slash tea, click on the links and then buy some tea if you want. Uh, this week's ad for them also genuinely was written by an AI, so uh, here we go. Are you tired of the same old boring tea? Try something new with Bird and Blend. Yeah, their blends are unique and delicious. I love their matcha green tea latte mix. I'm a big fan of their turmeric latte mix. It's the perfect pick-me-up in the morning. And their packaging is so cute and eco-friendly. I love that they use biodegradable tea bags. Plus, they have a wide variety of blends to choose from, something for everyone. Exactly. And they're a UK-based company, so you know you're supporting a local business. So, why not give Bird and Blend a try? Your taste buds will thank you. Absolutely. Trust us, you won't regret it. And yes, the backing music to that ad was also made by an AI. This is a great idea. I love this. Can I just say that's terrifying? The, the, The green tea latte bit. Like, wasn't I just talking about making a matcha green tea latte the other day? It's very you. 
It's very me. It's scary, though. I don't like it. I don't. Uh, but I'm going to say turmeric. Do they do turmeric lattes? They do. I think I, I did a double check. I think they do. I would oh. not drink that because that sounds like absolute bullshit. I mean, to me. I do quite like turmeric, but I didn't know oh. bird and blend. The AI has taught me something new. But yeah, it, it's terrifying. That is terrifying. It's it's very cheesy. The AI knows how to make things very cheesy. Mm, definitely. Speaking of cheesy, have you got any cheesy tea? <laughs> Can you no. buy cheese tea? Is that a thing? Oh, don't give them any ideas. Don't give them. Although I'm gonna look it up while you while you talk. Knowing Bird and Blend, they would produce some sort of cheese-related tea, and it would be very nice. And you'd be like, "That sounds gross," and then you drink it, and it'd be amazing. Anyway, uh, I've just found a headline: Cheese tea is a food trend in the making. Of that was course. 2018. Oh, so it's a long so, time in no. the making. It's got to mature a bit first, and then. Uh, and then it'll be the food trend of the... It was a big thing in 2018, and then no one's, no one's done it again, apparently. Gross. Probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a I've got a tea. I've got Nearly Nirvana, which is just, your, I say, bog standard. Not bog standard. It's bird and blend, so it's extra special. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But it's like a green tea with white tea as well, and um, orange blossoms, so sort of a, a Chinese tea sort of mm. taste. So very nice. It was just, you know what, I've got a little cardboard box where i keep um you know the free samples they give you when you order from yeah. bird and blend and when i'm lazy and can't be bothered to make loose leaf i have a look in my little box and i pick something Aww. out and that's what i picked out today so yeah anyway what have you got would you say it was nirvana or was it it's nearly nirvana it's nearly i've nirvana. nearly okay. reached enlightenment not quite oh, that's frustrating isn't really it? really frustrating when you nearly reach enlightenment and instead you're reincarnated as a cat or something you know oh that is a pain so i hate when that happens yeah at uh, me i'm on jelly and ice cream i didn't even know i had it i had no idea i was just digging through my cupboard because i've just got all kind of lobbed in a cupboard i was digging through for something a bit different came across jelly and ice cream no idea uh, it's kind of a fruity vanillary rooibos tea as you might expect uh, it's a niche comparison here because you've if you've had these if you've had wedding cake or birthday cake it's a little bit similar to those just kind of a sweet fruity vanillary rooibos tea pretty good it does sound pretty nice actually it reminds me a bit and i'm sure it doesn't taste like this the rice pudding tea i'm not a fan of the rice pudding tea i don't know if i've mentioned it before on the podcast i ordered some i, I didn't it wasn't my thing but um Ooh, i do I don't like, know how that would work yeah that would just be vanilla though wouldn't it i guess it's kind of vanillary with um fruit in to make the jam but i'm not a fan of whatever fruit they've I can't but remember not like lumps of like really soft rice in there that'd be pretty nasty no 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 i mean i'm sure oh. it's some people's cup of tea but it's hey. yeah but it's not mine but the jelly and ice cream sounds quite good because i'm a big fan of the wedding cake tea it's nearly a year i think uh, it's taken us to make that joke amazing Ah, <laughs> uh, amy what have you been up to so I had a bit of a uh, fiasco on, when did I go? Jesus. Classic been, Amy. Yeah, Wednesday. I think I went on Wednesday. I'm just going to, for the sake of the podcast, I'm just going to say it's Wednesday because last few days have been a bit of a blur. Um, so on Wednesday, I had a dentist appointment. But mm-hmm. because I'm me, it's not your bog standard dentist appointment. So I may have talked about this on the podcast before when I'm talking about non-running things as I often do. So I have very weird teeth that don't react properly to anesthetic so i needed three fillings and these three cavities were found before i met freya before we started this podcast almost five years ago these three cavities were found um and when the dentist initially tried to to do the fillings um my teeth just wouldn't go numb i had i think at one point i had four shots of anesthetic and my face was numb for a whole day but nothing every time i had it i'd feel it um 
So he referred me to the dental hospital because he's like, you're probably going to need to be sedated. And as well, I did like, quite a bit of anxiety naturally about my teeth done. Yeah, so, so he's like, oh, you're probably going to need to be sedated. And then the sedation also helps, like calms you down, but also it helps with the pain as well. So anyway, so I've been waiting for this appointment for ages. Uh, I had my other teeth done. And then this is the last one. This was the last appointment to get this final tooth done. And this was the tooth that was causing all the issues um, in the first place. And I've had a temporary filling in for the last five years, which I think they're only supposed to last about six months. But there we go. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I thought, because the dentist, the dental hospital is the other side of town for me, the other side of Cardiff. So I thought, you know what? Why don't I run there? It was a 9 a.m. appointment. I'm like, oh, of if, course. I, if I get the bus or if I take a taxi, then it's going to just take forever, especially, at, you know, trying to get across town at half eight. So I thought, I'll, I'll <laughs> run. It's probably just as quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, I'll go. now I managed to, it's five miles, I managed to get my run in as well. So uh, so I looked at my weather app, all seemed fine, didn't seem like it was going to rain or anything, perfect. So I just packed like a change of trousers, I packed some nice warm, because it was freezing, packed some nice warm joggers and a change of top. Um, and my waterproof jacket just, which I, to foreshadow the story, like I forgot about the waterproof jacket. But I packed the waterproof jacket just for an extra wear, layer of warmth and then... Also, because it was nice and thin to put in my bag. Anyway, so I set off, got halfway through my run in Butte Park in Cardiff. Snow. It started snowing. <laughs> like, but not not nice snow that was settling on the ground. It was this horrible sleety snow. It wasn't proper sleet, but it was like sleety snow yeah. that it would land on you and then just soak you. You know what I mean? Like that sort, and it would it would go on the ground, and because the ground was so everything was so cold, it just turned almost. Qu- straight away into ice yep so by the time i got to the dental hospital i was soaked and not only soaked but freezing cold because it was freezing cold snowy sleety watery rain crap so i got there and i was like jesus christ i thought right i'm gonna have to find and i was already a bit late because i'm I'm always slower than i think i'm gonna be so like oh i'm gonna have to find like a toilet to just blow dry my hair off my hair was soaked Bearing in mind all this time, I had my fucking waterproof in my bag. I didn't take it out. <laughs> I didn't, when I got there, I thought, why didn't I put my waterproof on? Like, what am I doing? Um, so, so my hair was wet. My shoes were soaked. I, I managed to get changed. And then there were no hand dryers in any of the toilets. And I have read before that hand dryers are really bad in terms of bacteria. Like, yeah. Because I can imagine, because the sort of heat they're at, they probably just breed bacteria. So everywhere just had those paper towels that you pull out. So I'm having to go into my dentist appointment with soaking wet hair, but even worse, like soaking wet shoes, like soaked. Oh. So anyway, so I get in there, um, and I have to lie back, and they're doing the, <laughs> doing the sedation. And I said to them, I had a, because it had been so long since my, my, previous appointment I had like a different person work so the last two times I had this guy who was really lovely I had a different person working on my teeth um and it's a lot of students as well because it's a it's a university hospital like a university training hospital so they were all having a good look yeah they were all having a good look no it was just Amazing. two of them but I think they were okay. there were student dentists so <laughs> so I said to her I was like oh you know like I said the last time I was here and the last few times, they've normally given me more gas at the beginning and then eased it off as the session's gone on because it's the beginning that makes me the most scared. So she was like, okay, thank you. And I could tell she was perhaps a bit new because she was doing the, okay, thank you for letting me know. And Because they try to keep everything calm because they get a lot of anxious yep. patients. They keep everything calm. So I lay back and she's like, what would you like to imagine? I'm like, oh, I want to imagine, <laughs> like to calm you down. 
I was like, oh, I want to imagine running through a forest. And she's like, okay. And that, like, no, come on, that's stressful for you, surely. <laughs> I said to her... You're, just, you're laying there, you're like, oh, God, I've fallen over. <laughs> I said to her, and I added, I was like, but not away from anyone, just on no. my own. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Gas hadn't even started at this point. I'm already... Somewhere talking. I know where I'm going. Yeah, 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 it's nice and calm. My watch still works. Yeah. Now, the guy, <laughs> the guy I had before, lovely guy... This whole process of get, getting me up to the right level of gas took about half an hour. And the whole time, like he's saying, he's describing everything around me. He's like, he, I don't know if he was running himself because he was like, it's a nice day. You're not too hot. You're not too cold. It's a nice trail. It's not too steep. He was like giving me like proper meditation, describing everything. She was just silent the whole, well, pretty much silencing. Okay, just keep breathing. And we did, within 10 minutes, the gas had increased. And I had this horrific moment where I felt relaxed. And then the next moment, everything went tingly. And then my body went very cold. And I, I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. And then I went very, very nauseous. And so I, <laughs> and so I said, uh, but at the same time, it was a weird experience. I felt like I was going to have a panic attack. But at the same time, I was very, very relaxed. It was the weirdest feeling ever. So I was too relaxed. And I said to her, I was like, oh, you know, I said, um, I said, I don't feel quite right. And she's like, okay. I said, yeah, I said, yeah I, I'm feeling very, very weird. She's like, yeah, it's just the gas. I'm like, no, 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 I'm feeling very yeah. weird. And then the other nurse, the nurse next to her was like, oh, the dental nurse was like, oh, I think it's a bit too much gas. So they eased it off. Anyway, so they start, they start the procedure right level of gas all fine um my tooth didn't go numb initially was new they had to put more anesthetic in it did go numb all fine and i was i was okay i was getting quite relaxed into it but because it takes so long because they do it like really gradually and all the gas and all that because it was taking so long by this point my feet were starting to get really cold and the rest of my body was fine my feet were so i started trembling and not in a sense of like my whole body was cold just because I don't know whether you come in from like a really cold run you're not properly cold but you like start trembling because yeah. it's the change from being out in the cold to being like out in the heat so my feet were freezing cold my socks were absolutely sodden with this wet slush so I started shaking and they're like it's okay calm down it's okay and I'm going <laughs> and I'm like my feet are cold <laughs> like that and they're like okay okay it's just the gas and then the, your feet are fine and they were the dentist that i think was um like walking around observing the students she comes over and gets involved but she starts like stroking my arm going don't worry <laughs> don't worry and i'm trying to tell them my feet are wet and that's why i'm shaking i'm, I'm okay and she goes shut your lips <laughs> like shut basically she was like yeah. close your lips and just breathe through your nose or else the gas won't work like that <laughs> i'm like no my feet are really cold, you know, and that's why I'm shivering. I was trying to tell them, like, just carry on. My feet are just cold. I'm not actually scared. <laughs> so, yeah, so it got done in the end. And after when I came around, I was like, I wasn't I wasn't scared. My feet were just really, really cold. I ran here and I was like, just just talking shit as you, well, more shit than usual. So, yeah, that that was it. And then I got out and I took an Uber home. I didn't, I didn't Okay, you didn't, I, that was, that's the thing I was going to say. Like, you didn't run home after no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> because you feel a bit like with, with gas and air you come around quite quickly but for a bit afterwards you feel a bit like a bit out of it yeah. So, so yeah and then since then my tooth has been absolutely killing me and I'm sort of oh. um, I'm hoping I don't have to go back but yeah just just any advice for people if you're going to go to like a hospital and have some sort of <laughs> procedure don't run there don't run no. there in the snow especially so 
Yeah. There's a top tip we didn't think we'd have to give. You know, my dad used to cycle to the hospital for chemotherapy. Oh, my God. He was pretty hardcore. That is pretty hardcore. I feel like a wimp now. My wet <laughs> yeah, sh- but I bet he didn't have soaking wet feet. I know. I, not that he's mentioned. I can check. It was freezing cold. They probably came out and said, oh, we had such a nervous patient. They were shaking in the chair. Like, oh, She was just saying something about her feet were cold. She was just off her tits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I ran here. You're like, yes, we did the oh, run. Yeah, okay, we did cool. the yeah, running thing. Yes, we ran through the woods. It didn't happen though. It didn't actually <laughs> happen. It was just in our heads. Don't worry about it. Is really- that your happy place then? Is that where you choose I to go that's to? That's what I said. I didn't ever know what to say. Like, I don't know what to like because it's just the gas just works. You know, you don't need. You don't actually yeah. need to meditate. The gas calms you down. It's to make you breathe through your nose deeply. But you just breathe I mean, through your I nose. I can breathe through my nose. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm what you do. But that's what they try and get you. They try and relax you. So the gas works better if you, if you're relaxed, obviously. But, but yeah, way, way too much at the beginning though. Jesus Christ! I thought I was gonna like. I thought I was floating. I thought I was gonna like leave this plane of existence. But, but yeah. Anyway, that was my that was my traumatic trip to the dentist on wow. foot. But yeah, how's your week been? <laughs> Well, perhaps if I can drag this back a little bit to running. I know that's always, sorry, it's something I always feel like there. I have to I do. I ran Just... there, my feet got wet. Sure, yeah, that was a key part of the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, it's me, so I did canicross. Again, loads of racing. And this time, you know, I actually had a race. I think it's pretty much the first time ever I've been at a race and I actually raced someone properly. Wow. Um, so I was with William this time and there was a guy running and he started just behind me with a Doberman, quite a big Doberman. Um, and this guy looked pretty, pretty good. Uh, he started like 10, 15 seconds behind me, overtook me after three or four minutes. And then we kind of swapped places then maybe two or three times over the next, uh, up to about two miles. So, you know, we're doing really, really well that of just like, he would be ahead for a bit. Then he would kind of dog tire a little bit. And then I'd, oh, it was basically on the, like the single track stuff, the narrow twisty stuff. I would always catch up. And then as soon as it straightened out a bit, he would get away from me. Um, when it got to about two miles, I could see the dog really start to kind of start puffing a bit. And the guy was like, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I could see the dog and the, the lead was slack. So I thought, right, this is the chance because it was a nice wide bit. I'm like, right, let's go. So I overtook him there and just left him for dead. I was like, yes, nice. so happy about that. So it was a race for a couple of miles and then his dog kind of gave up. But I was just like, as soon as I saw that dog go and I'm be ruthless, I'm going for him here. So yeah, that was really, really nice. It's such a nice change because usually I don't really see anyone because they kind of seed it fast as first and, you know, some people come from behind and overtake me. But uh, yeah, I never, never basically get to race. So that was really, really good fun. Um, We didn't get to go back the second day, unfortunately, because William was a bit stiff um, that evening. I think you like, you tried to jump up on the sofa and didn't quite make it and he kind of had a little yelp when he did mm. that but I think he was just a bit stiff it wasn't an injury or anything so he just rested him the next day and it saved us driving two and a half hours as well which is that was definitely appreciated for me mm. so that was that was good fun um I should be doing quite well in the uh the table now as well hopefully that gets updated soon I can see I should be I think I should be second overall nice. in the national championships wow for Canicross well for Canex for that particular group anyway um also the other night i went to ninja warrior hey. not running thing but it's me doing exercise so <laughs> Stu trying to do upper body exercise is always hilarious i saw some I'm clips not... on instagram it was very impressive yeah i, I did the wall they got three walls like you run up a curved wall grab onto the top and get yourself over i did the first one just ran straight up it second one did quite well on third one couldn't do mm-hmm. i got so close to it but i ran up it i could grab it i could get it up to my armpit but I didn't have any upper body strength. Mm-hmm. And because my feet 
because the wall was kind of vertical at that point, I had nothing to push off against. So I couldn't use my legs. So because I just had to use my arms, I couldn't do it. Um, and I don't know if you've done this kind of thing. It was kind of lots of like obstacles and things. And there's also like an inflatable section. And there's a thing that goes around the edge. It's like this inflatable uh, like obstacle course. And you just kind of, you know, jump through things and crawl under things and jump. And we did that once and we were absolutely fucked. <laughs> I don't know what it is about inflatable stuff. It oh, absolutely yeah. ruins you. It's like sand, isn't it? You know, it just moves beneath Yeah, it's you. just... Because, yeah, because everything moves so much, you have to move yourself and hold yourself up and so much balance. Because you hit the ground, you have to stand up again. Just that thing of going down and standing up again is tiring. And just, like, we were just absolutely ruined. I think we had a break after 40 minutes, and we went up to the cafe to have a sit-down and a drink. And, like, Holly was dripping. There was sweat dripping (laughs) off her face onto her lap. And we went back down again. We did it a little bit more. We did some more of the obstacles. I mean, the second time around, it got to like, any of the upper body stuff. I just skipped it. I'm like, I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> to try and do this stuff because what is the point? My arms do not work. Um, and like, if I could use my legs, I was kind of okay. Anything with arms, yeah, no chance. There was lots of little kids there as well. And that was a bit shit. That was a shame. Um, but I love the way you could look around at any point and just see all of the rules being broken at once. Oh, yeah, There's, of There's, like, course. multiple kids on one piece of equipment. They're running. They're, like, diving into stuff. They're doing so much stuff that they shouldn't do. But, like, some of the kids running up the... Like, the medium wall that I did pretty well, there's a little girl there. She must have been, like, three foot. She was flying up that wall. It was amazing. Yeah, they they, they have no fear of death or mortality. Or yeah. They just do, and when they yeah. just don't weigh anything. They're yeah. just kind of... Kids are just lean muscle. Mm. And they, they don't weigh anything. And it's just nothing to it. Once you got her hands on there, she just pulled herself straight up. It's just... Oh, that was very cool. But, like, these kids... You know what? They weren't enjoying it properly. That was the thing no, that annoyed exactly. me most. Like, you're not using the activities the way they're supposed to be used. Wasted on them. Exactly. They're, they think they were having a good time, but they weren't really. Because what they should have been doing is following the rules and that would have been more fun for everyone yes definitely so um uh, my shoulders and arms are killing me today um i'm very much got some soreness in my muscles and the onset has been delayed yes (laughs) that is how that is going okay let's move on oh look check it out we've got a guest again let's do that bit now Our guest today is Dragon's Back finisher, running coach, and Instagram reel-making guy, Gary House. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. No problem. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, first up, let's start, as we always do, here a little bit about your background and how you started running and kind of how that's developed. Yes, uh, probably a, maybe a similar story to a lot of people, but I count myself lucky that I started before social media and that kind of thing, <laughs> so I've been doing it a long time. It's uh, I moved to Manchester for work from a small village in North Wales, well, small town, I guess. And I was about 19 at the time, 20. So I'd gone from a very active uh, footballing kind of typical lad, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, playing three times a week, playing twice at the weekends. But also uh, I'd also found like drinking, clubbing and all that kind of thing. So it was pretty much I was either playing football with the lads or going out with the lads at the weekend. Um, just took the decision to move to Manchester work-wise and then got thrown into, obviously, a city. Yeah, I would think of it as a big city, <laughs> depending on where you're from. Manchester's not, but it was for me. Didn't know anybody and uh, couldn't afford a gym to try and keep fit or anything like that. And uh, just started running down the canal, really. Um mm-hmm. And that was where it started because I had my old AstroTurf trainers had 
my Sunday league kit and literally just ran down the canal. And as I aged up a little bit and got a little bit more mature and thought about myself a bit, I think a lot of it was because I was in a shared house with six people, all different cultures, different work, that kind of thing. And it was completely out of my comfort zone with my friends and anything I'd ever known before. So I think I was just running as a bit of an avoidance and and it was, it just got longer and longer on the canal. And then I used to run and commute because again, I'd save three quid on the bus there and back, that kind of thing. So that's how it all kicked off. Yeah. Isn't that a strange expression to say I I started before social media? Like it makes perfect sense, but it seems really strange to say, doesn't it? There was a time before. There was like, um, through my coaching and doing some speaking stuff and just have the questions that I was getting, I realized that, hang on a minute, you're asking me these questions. And at first I would not laugh them off, but I was like, why are you asking me this? But then I realized a lot of people haven't had the same experience as myself. So I didn't, I went for a run and didn't even have a watch. So it'd be off the clock in the, at the bottom of the stairs and it would be, if I wanted to run a faster session, I would leave five minutes later. <laughs> and then when I got yeah. back in the house, I would look at the clock and see how long I'd been. And then that was it. There was nobody to tell. My my housemates didn't care that I was a runner. Um, didn't really speak to them, if I'm honest. So there was no one. So I wasn't updating a Strava. I wasn't posting on Instagram. It was, yeah, it was quite looking back. That's why I say I count myself lucky in that respect because it's very easy to fall into running now because of social media or for whatever reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just different pressures and different impressions these days, I think. Yeah. Just, well, just growing up with or without it is a, is a huge difference as well. Um, mm. So when you were running there, it got longer and longer, I guess at some point you moved back to North Wales and discovered Hills. Um, <laughs> I discovered a girl. That's what happened. Okay. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was obviously doing this running thing and it was a bit of a clash with my work because people that might have listened before to previous things, but my previous career was like I was trying to make it as a hairdresser. So I had a good hairdressing career that was going well, but that involved nights out, that involved just didn't match up with running. And then I met a girl that was uh, living in Leicester at the time at university. I'm in Manchester, obviously didn't want to go out as much wanted to up my running a little bit more and then uh, I entered the Leicester half marathon for the sole reason that I thought this might impress this girl (laughs) don't know why I thought that but also because uh, I would have to well not have to but I got to stay down there for the weekend as well (laughs) so you could just be a bit closer uh, yeah yeah it's a bit creepy look at thinking about it but I can always kind of pass it off as we're, we're married and we've got two kids and it's happily ever after kind so of it, so if I it's can... romantic if it works out well it's romantic it's yeah it didn't impress her at all no um, but it because i can remember shoelace was undone all the usual mistakes going off too hard and uh could hardly walk back to the bus with her afterwards but that was my first race experience i was it and i was and that's the kind of thing you either get hooked or don't yeah, so you either do a race and never go back, or you do a race and think, I, I enjoyed that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I re- started reading some books, and I moved back to North Wales, so mainly because we wanted to kind of move in together or save some money, and we couldn't do that where we were. 
So and that was it really. That's when I discovered Hills properly, yeah. Okay. Um so well, I, I guess we're gonna jump forward quite a bit there. We're talking about Hills. Um because earlier on today I spotted you had podcasters too, as all the cool people do these days. And actually we've shared a few guests like Toby Fells and Kate McKenzie. Um, but the episode that jumped out to me was your episode number two, which was titled Why the Dragon's Back Race Was Shit. And that is definitely yeah. our kind of content. Um, I think you said on the episode, okay, yeah, it was a little bit of a clickbaity title. But could you could you condense that episode and kind of that experience for us in this episode? Yeah, I'm trying to think back because that was 2019 and I've since done it. I did it last year, so it couldn't uh, have been that okay, shit. Okay, you have done it again. <laughs> yeah, so I've done it twice now. <laughs> uh, and uh, since that podcast, become good friends with the organiser and talked mm-hmm. about it as well. So, so yeah, at the time, it was more um, the fact there was just certain things about the event that I thought that I could speak about that people hadn't speak, spoken mm-hmm. about, as in uh, the financial aspect, people be it making people aware of the actual challenge and yes there's always responsibility on you to research it and everything but it was very much set up in the fact that uh yeah if like there's a big expense but there's a high probability that you might fail on day one Mm -hmm. if you haven't done your research and yes you've got to have some responsibility but not having like qualification processes and things like that like my mum could have entered it if she wanted if I'm honest, <laughs> yeah, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and just a lot of it, like the, lots of road sections and just stuff that isn't in the nice promotional kind of videos making it look brutal, but obviously, uh, yeah, enticing for lots of mountain runners. Yeah, do you think a lot of people then really underestimate it? Because I think you said on the 2019 one, 40 people dropped out on day one. And I think, of course, it was 20, was it 2021? It was the hot one. Where like a third of the field, if not more, dropped out on day one. Yeah, are people yeah. underestimating it, such a big race. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the train on day one and in North Wales, a lot of the time just catches people out. They shit themselves on Cribgoch, and then, like, honestly, people are turning down and walking back. So, and that's not the organizer's fault, if I'm honest. Mm, okay. Yeah, but <laughs> um, the times. And the cutoffs are doable if you've either done the work or done your research. A lot of people either kind of overestimate what they can do short term, or they don't give them enough, or they just underestimate what they can do long term. If that makes sense, I always say that to the people I coach. So it's it's not me saying that you can never do Dragon's Back and you're not good enough, but maybe do it in three years' time, not in a year's time. Uh, it's that kind of thing, really. Yeah, I know the organizers say, I think one of the things that comes across on the videos, they say it's a race for mountain runners, not ultra runners. It's like, yeah, you, you might be able to run 50 miles a day for five days, but that doesn't mean you can do Dragon's Back. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, it obviously used to be heavily on the navigation and you, and and if I'm and that would rule a lot of people out. Yeah, mm-hmm. the thing is now it's it wouldn't be commercially viable to run it like it was in 1990 or 92 or whatever because you need the numbers and for the numbers you need to be you need to kind of open up a little bit more so you've got a gpx to have a certain line and all that kind of thing and if i coach people through it i'm always happier if you're from a mountain background even if it's just hiking than if you're a two and a half hour marathon runner coming to do it and at the top end it's runnable the whole dragon's back is pretty runnable 
yeah mm. but that's not everyone that's a small percentage so the majority of the rest of the people have a hiking exposure elements navigation because you can't rely on your watch to a certain extent um because it's trackless uh, and and that's what catch, catches people out and expectations on themselves like that's another thing really mm-hmm. so you you did you did it again last year you said yeah did it again okay. last year yeah were you happy to finish in cardiff castle rather than a field <laughs> so well that's, oh, but of course it didn't finish in the castle did it no exactly so oh. Exactly. So part of that original podcast was the fact that you finish the five day race into like day one, you start at Conway Castle, Welsh male voice choir. It's amazing. Adrenaline, you go off, finish on an old broken down school field. And it's it's like the most kind of. And it's not really anywhere, is it? It's just in the middle somewhere of Wales. No, because it didn't. Yeah, it's. um, Yeah. So. That was so when they added the sixth day finishing Cardiff Castle, and then obviously I started working with Montaigne and stuff. I was like, and my friend Simon was doing it. Like, right, okay, I need something to get me going that year after after the pandemic and everything. So I'm going to do it. But I only entered six weeks before the Dragons Back. I got my entry mm-hmm. last wow. year. Um, so I was mainly looking forward to that experience of having the kids and the family in Cardiff Castle. Big party. I've got lots of friends there now. It just didn't happen, obviously, because um, because of the Queen. Uh, yeah, the Queen away, died, yeah. and because the the Cardiff Castle is a uh, it was a Cardiff Council venue, which meant they couldn't uh, open it up mm. for events. They had to cancel all the events, which meant Dragons Back. So you finished so again, kind of around the back of it. Somewhere. I finished in the in the field next to. Cardiff it's a nicer Castle. field, though. It's a nicer field, yeah, and plus it was a lot closer to a Premier Inn rather than yes, that's uh, handy yeah, having to drive somewhere. I definitely like. So, yeah, it was just day. a surreal, surreal experience. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was obviously good to get it done. I definitely enjoyed the sixth day because it comes right past my house, and so I was out um, seeing some of the runners as they came past. And my God, they were in such a state. I mean, seeing people that tired after six days was that was really kind of incredible to see. What what kind yeah, of condition that... you, were you in in that kind of sixth day? uh on the on the fifth day i'd picked up uh what i now what i knew after was a it was a fracture in my foot well in my shin essentially mm-hmm. so it was it was painful and it was a painful day and a half but it was that kind of pain it's almost like so painful it hurt when i walk hurt when i ran so i could run very slowly down into cardiff i knew i was going to be okay to get there it was just mm-hmm. painful but Obviously, lots of people were in pain at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like trying to chat yeah. to people and saying, "Right, right, you just need to get around that corner." Then you're on that path, you know, and they're just like, you could see it. they just they just nod at you because they couldn't talk. They were just like, "I'm not interested in talking to you or being anything. I just want to get this done." Yeah, there was a lot of that. I mean, the camp on day five and stuff because day five was so tough. There was a lot of broken people on day five. Yeah. Mm. Uh, during the race, did you drop in the bakery at Llandovery? No, that, oh, was, really? That's a big no, part of it, I'm no. told. Yeah, there's um, there's lots of yeah. Again, they do well again, off it's that. Kind of, yeah, it looked it looked really good. It's, just, <laughs> it's probably their biggest uh, day of the year. It, yeah, Tlandovery's uh, it's a nice village. There's another like little cafe as well where you can get a nice coffee. But it's the same on day three. You run into Macunthlef and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's obviously the first town you've passed through. So you see 
I'm leaving later because I'm running through people and obviously people that have left a lot earlier are walking up to the checkpoint with a carrier bag full of <laughs> ice cream and drinks and stuff. So it's uh yeah, it's uh, you can you can dip in if you need to. That's a really handy thing. Um I have got a friend running it this year for the first time. Is there I'm going to say like a single piece of advice is probably a, a crazy thing to say, but is there like what's kind of a main piece of advice you can give for a first time runner? Uh, even if you can get into North Wales a couple of times, it doesn't have to be on the route just to be able, become a bit more familiar with what you're going to expect. That I mean, that is an obvious one. Outside of that is just to really focus on your eating and your admin. So mm. a lot of people, you can see it in them that they just they're not eating enough afterwards, never mind during the run, but you've got to think it's day after day after day. And you've got to think on the Monday that you're going to be running still on Friday and Saturday. So you just got to eat a lot kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I've only ever done 30 miles and I don't eat enough already. So I don't know. I just, I couldn't, I don't think I could handle a multi-day event. It just seems like that that's just too much, too much for me. I've got a 24 hour this year and that's, I'm already very worried about that. Yeah. Well, luckily when you're doing 24 or multi-day, not a lot of people are moving fast enough to worry too much about thinking it has to be X amount of gels per hour. You can, it's a bit more relaxed. You can kind of eat uh, what you want to a certain extent. It's definitely going to be a slow one. Yeah. And we'll hear more from Gary in a bit. Now you can support this podcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and donating money every month. You know what? We still have merch available on Spreadshirt, by the way. Links from our website. I was going to say thank you to whoever just bought a t-shirt and a cap, but I checked and it was Amy. So it doesn't really count, I guess. Uh, if you do want something nice, by the way, between January the 26th and the 30th, it's 20% off. So that's nice. Hmm. I, should, I should have delayed my, my purchase. Should have, done, should have let me know and I would have let you know. I think there's some free postage uh, week coming up as well. So, Oh, yeah. As for the Patreon, there's no new mats this month, but we do have Steve Robson and Tony Howells. And thanks to Jay Howells for the song inspiration this week. So I can blame him for singing a song I clearly don't have the range for. Raymond Quinn. Steve Robson, Maria Wicks. Jonathan Carter, Ivor Hewitt, Rich Gurm, Ruth KP. There we Amanda Murray Hind, Karen Hamilton, Dawn Shepherd, Noms Dawson, Matt Garner. Julia Page, Nikki Genders, Lisa Gibbon, Carl Fleming, Sandra Heinzer, Inhales, Clark Gilmore, Gabby Thomas, Nair Sam Wally, Kat Rodman, Kaplan, Matt Caffin, Jay Violet, Grep, James Lampert. Stuart Stevens. The Nichols Shambolic Adult Leewood Angela Foster Swales Jay Howells Bernadette McCarthy Hannah Bye Claire Dina Lynn Martin Samantha Benson Rachel Bullmore 
Ian Thompson, Brian Simpson Matt H, Francis Howe, Sherry Grubbs, Victoria Dick, Matt Jezioski, Rachel Bentley, Karen Blake, AP, Darren Roberts, Gail C, Elizabeth Shaban, H, Andy Robbins, Vicky Robbins, Matt Jones, Jason Spinks, Matt Lease, Trish Shalton, Cassie Jones, Kel Ryder, Adam Atkinson, Tony Howells, David Irwin, Gregory C. Elliot Line, Claire Davis, Penny Simpson Gordy Thelwell, Kev Shepherd, Liz Reese, Victoria Magnus Drew Edwards, Anthony Howe, Max McCarty Paul Hibbert, Debbie Hurley Charlie Neverson, Matt Burrows, Sophie Jakes, Jenny Tamasebi, Katrin Fenton, Luke Daniel, Sophie Nichols, Matt Newbury. And let's never speak of that again. God. You shouldn't let your range limit you. No, no, it's never stopped you, you, you I know. <laughs> exactly, you do what you want. It was one of those ones, I recorded it, I knew it was bad as I was doing it, but I thought, you know what, I've got all the names in, fuck it, that'll do. Mate, that's me 10 minutes before the podcast. We do record the podcast, get on with it, just do it, bang it out. Don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Running is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. And somebody who did that is at Slash. My initials 40. there, Amy. I think you're and fine. you're reading yeah, it. Thank you. So you go ahead, Stuart. I've set it up thank for you. you. We had a tweet from Flash Gordy who says, Catching up on running is BS, FYI. Supposedly waterproof sports earphones are BS. And I was shocked, shocked I say, to hear the slander of running kilts. They're fantastic inventions and very comfy, although mine only has one pocket. What? Flash Gordy, we do not want to know what that pocket is for. Oh. I, think I, want, I want to report that tweet That's, <laughs> for harassment. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Just, just wear shorts like everyone else, you weirdo. Yeah. At I am Vic says long sleeved running tops without thumb holes are bullshit. They should all have them. Using them is obviously optional. Obviously. Also, frozen molehills are a tripping hazard and bullshit. Definitely agree on the thumb holes. Love a long sleeve t-shirt with. Thumb are you? Are we saying we should legislate that all long sleeve tops should have thumb holes? Yeah, when I was when I was in school, it was cool to cut thumb holes into your school jumper. Of course. So you could just cut your own, couldn't you? You could just cut your own little. Yeah, I just worrying that kind of top. usual like cheap technical material that would just tear, wouldn't it, all the way up? Mm, true. true. I think I've anyway, I think I've only got one set of thumb holes, and I do quite like them. To be fair, so yeah, yeah it, we do. Need- it means sometimes I don't have to wear gloves. I can just like. They go for something there for race organisers. If you're getting long sleeve tops in, thumb holes. It's what the people want. By which I mean, Definitely. you know, three of us. Uh, any feelings on frozen molehills? No, I don't think I've encountered a frozen molehill before. I, I feel bad for the mole inside as well. I don't think they live in the hill. I don't <laughs> think that's what they're for. Is that not what the, is that not what the hill I, doesn't just cover I, the mole? I'm not a mole expert, I don't know, but that's just what I'm saying. Oh, Though I feel like I if like everything else is frozen, I feel like you should know the molehill's going to be frozen as well. I don't think that's the mm. mole's fault or the hill's fault. Well, the mole created it. Yeah, but you're the one running into it. 
Former guest Mark Atkinson, Run Like Duck, at Monty the Mole, he's got so many names, he said, Have you seen my tweet about some badly parked cyclists that blocked the pavement so I had to run in the road? It was a minor grumble, but it got picked up by the sun. And now the tweet's on 1.1 million views. That's bullshit. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my god. And it was like a load of cyclists had turned up to go cycling in their cars, but they parked on the pavement and blocked uh, the pavement for half a mile. I was more thinking about yeah. being picked up by yeah, the sun. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That so sucks. yeah, he just tweeted this. <laughs> but like, imagine that like, you're a fucking journalist or you pretending to be a journalist. You see one tweet and you make a news story out of it. I mean, wh- how is that oh, yeah, your job? Yeah. Well, yeah, they work for the sun. It's pathetic. And they didn't ask permission, of course. And so he threatened of them. Of course. He threatened them and they've said they'll make a donation to charity. So good for you and fuck oh. the sun. Oh, fuck off. As if, but as if they'll make it... I, I don't buy that for a second. No. The funny... You know what? The reason why they haven't asked permission is because I see so many screenshots of people who've had stuff go viral and the son yeah. have asked to use it and they've used it and they've turned around and said yeah. no. I, I, Most people I don't know. know. I always think of like... I don't, I don't think they have to ask. I think once it's on Twitter, it's kind of public mm. domain or I don't know what the rules are around it anymore. But yeah, I, I do like that thing when... Oh, can we have permission to use this? No, fuck you. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, do you yeah. remember the good old days when instead of screenshotting, they would embed the tweet and then the user would change their username to fuck you the sun. And so on their yeah. website, that's yeah. what it would show. That was, oh, the good old days then before they cottoned on. Yeah. And from Gabby Naya. So they said, quick at the spine race sprint report. So Gabby, did Gabby do this? She did. Sprint? She did the sprint. The easy one. Yes. So... <laughs> She says, so windy, got blown over a few times, wandered off the path and went into chest deep bog. Got then charged by a grouse. Okay. Little brooks were raging torrents. No paths, just water, mud and bogs. All the weather. Loved it and beat the cut off. I mean, I was following a bit of this. I was was dot watching her um, while she did this. So this is the sprint version of the Montaigne Spine Race. 44 miles and it starts at midday which meant they only had four hours of daylight before trying to hit a cutoff time of 6 a.m why did it start at midday just to say fuck you just because they can Uh, it's basically it's just like these race organizers they devise this kind of fiendish route they're right this is going to be really hard and then they organize it in january and then they say you need 600 items of kit and then they say ha ha fuck you it'll be at night as well that's horrific. It's, it's so bad. I've seen photos of it of like there's one, there's a waterfall. The waterfall was going up. You know, the stream was hitting the edge of the hill and just going up. The weather yeah. for this year's spine race was just horrendous. And we've got a bit more about that later on. We were also sent a tweet about a race in Leeds that is genius. You turn up, are blindfolded and put on a bus and then dropped off. Someone says go and you have to make your way to the finish line which in this case was the centre of Leeds, and you're not allowed a phone or watch, just a GPS tracker, and you could be dropped anywhere within 15 miles. And it's a really good concept, and it's going national. So if you search The Drop, I think it's called, yeah, yep. The Drop UK or something like that on Instagram, um, you can see on there all the information. There's quite a few different places where they're they're doing it for this year. Yeah, I saw that and I thought it's just another one of these weird race concepts that people in Leeds apparently seem to think of. But no, 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 it is a national one. And you said like they started following you on Instagram, weirdly. They did request to follow me. And it's funny because oh. I saw the request before I saw this and I thought it was just like, I don't know, just 
I, yeah, I thought it was just some some race, random race. I didn't really look into it in much detail or accept their request. Um, and then I, I read through the show notes. I'm like, that rings a bell. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. So I've I accepted their quest. Their quest? <laughs> I've accepted their request. So, but you have not accepted their yeah. quest yet? I haven't accepted the quest yet. There is one in Bath, which I think will be the closest to me. But I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know any. I mean, place. they could drop you half a mile from your house and you wouldn't get back. No, no, exactly. So it's probably not a good idea for me to do something no, like you this. You not checked your message requests just in case they uh, want to give you a free one, or I, I will keep looking. If if you're listening and you want to give me a free, a free entry to your don't. event, I will do just it. Just don't. <laughs> I will do it. But yeah, that is a very fun idea. I love the idea of like imagine you get dropped off somewhere and everyone gets off the bus looking around and you think oh, I know exactly where we are. I know exactly how to yeah. get back. You'd have to be like. Yeah, God, I don't know. Where? Oh, could be anywhere. And then you just like, as everyone's looking around, you just slip away and just run the way you know, and just hope hope no one's followed you. If you look really unsure, hope no one's followed you. That'd be mm. great fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go back to our great chat with Gary House. So we've also mentioned your coaching. So I gather you've been doing that for quite a number of years. At what kind of? At what point? in your running did you kind of move in into coaching uh yeah like i say i had a different career and then i had an opportunity to leave that and running had taken over so much i was it was going back maybe 12 years ago i just thought right i'm going to take this opportunity to get out took the money and put that into personal training qualifications things like this and with the focus of going into a gym because already as a runner, people have been asking me for advice and stuff like this, just helping out friends that I've got to know through running. And um, yeah, the plan was to work as a PT uh, in a gym because it seemed like a good idea <laughs> at the time. And I tra- attracted runners because I'm a nine stone kind of runner in a gym that was full of typical gym PTs. So it wasn't difficult me- for me to find work, if I'm honest. Yeah. And that's what that's how it all started I moved that business outdoors so I grew like a coaching business outdoors still helping the same kind of people but we had two or three locations like seven sessions a week all that kind of thing but with the focus was always on technique movement strength there wasn't that much running involved there was group runs around it but it was different in that way and that's why it was a bit of a success because at the time I started working with people like Vivo barefoot with biomechanics and and working through all that kind of thing. So I've done a bit of everything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Never set out to be an online coach or Mm. any of that. There wasn't online coaching to really when I started out. There was um, a couple of people asking me, can you do me a plan? So I would literally write them out a plan. And then word got around. Then I had five people. So I was doing it on Word documents. And then one of my friends, uh, Robbie Britton, was doing it as an online coach. So, and he was like living out in Chamonix in France. And and I thought, well, let's give it a go as an online coach. But I was still doing, I still had, like my running business where I live had 140 members at the time that I had to coach. Uh, So the online thing, I just didn't really have time. So I was coaching these five people. Then it was 10 people. And it was 20 people. So what I was doing is kind of thinking, then I've been through three or four Welsh winters trying to coach people in minus 10. 
like, actually, this online coaching might work. And it just ended up being that the online coaching started outweighing the the face-to-face coaching. Mm. So it was quite organic in that way and didn't really set out to be what we now know as an online coach. <laughs> and I guess in the last um, couple of years, that's increased more because more people are doing, well, more people are doing more things online now. Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, yeah, probably, well, it was, I was having a look at this because I was speaking, I was doing another talk and I think it was about 18 months to two years before the, the pandemic basically was when I was an online coach and then the face-to-face stuff was on the side. And then it got to the point, it was almost like a tipping point. I didn't want to get rid of the face-to-face stuff because I enjoyed it and we'd become friends, but I only had about 20 people left in that group. And then when everything got shut down, I was like, look, uh, that's finished, essentially. And I'll come back and do it as a volunteer, which I did did for a bit. So volunteered sessions for about six months. And uh, yeah, that was... I think if I hadn't had those years of coaching face-to-face, I would have been a different coach. It's not that it's right or wrong. It's just that it put me in good stead because I know people. I know I know what the sessions are doing. I know what it's like to be out there and, and, and do the face-to-face stuff. Then I was an online coach. So how yeah. does online coaching actually work? Uh, I think there's a... See, I'm... Um, this is where it's hard for me to answer because there's so many online coaches now, which I see as a good thing. I, although a lot of people think <laughs> I might take the mick on Instagram and things. Uh, like I help a lot of online coaches now and it is a good thing because I know that it can be quite rewarding. Mm. But a lot of people seem to do it a certain way, whereas I've done it, always done it a different way because I've been in I've been in business groups. I've been in I've had a mentor for business for 10 plus years and I essentially use their modeling rather than typical run coach modeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, there wasn't run coaching as an online business when I started. So it, so it's more, so I like to coach people in a group environment. So all our calls are as a group, um, we do stuff together and all that kind of thing. I still want the community aspect. As I run the coaching, it's more like the sessions or the sessions they get added onto an app. We've got a training app and then it's just typical, uh, yeah, how you would expect. People receive their plan and then we check in and they give me feedback and then we update the plan. That bit I always think is like the simple, obvious bit to a certain extent. And I spend way more time adjusting plans than I do writing training plans for them because as you know, and and I know it's never, shouldn't really be set in stone. Um, So, yeah, and the business kind of ch- changed a little bit again through the pandemic. Fast forward this, there was a lot of, I've always done personal development stuff and we were talking, the sessions were more mindset orientated and yeah, just helping people through stuff that wasn't running for a long time. Uh, so that's why people like when they're in the in the club, in the team, the, the talks are not always about running, say. Mm. Uh, so, so as for... As for that, it's a little bit of a hybrid, I guess. People, I just coach the way I want to coach and what people might find interesting. So I do, we have an expert once a month. We've got a physio that does a talk. I just try and make it, try and give people as much as they need, essentially. 
Yeah. I think maybe I was thinking about this, maybe four or five years ago, if I was, if people were telling me like as a non-elite runner that they were getting a coach, I would think that was really strange. Mm. But these days I know more and more people that are just normal runners, you know, kind of normal yeah. everyday non-elite runners that are getting coached. And it seems to be a lot more normalized these days. Is that kind of, has it always been that way, but we just haven't heard about it or is it, is it, was it always elite and it's kind of, kind of drip, drip down a bit? Well, I had a coach because I had a performance goal in mind when I first had a coach, which is had the same coach for like eight years or something. So I always had a coach, but it was from that performance perspective and we very much had that relationship. Uh, so it's like, but I, if people set me the sessions, I did the sessions. Yeah, there wasn't, I don't, I didn't have to, I didn't have that argument with myself or anything. But from the people I was coaching, not giving them a training plan, not face to face. It was a different set of people here. Yeah? So that ended up being how I coached. So the usual, like you say, um, I never thought I'd be an online running coach for the pure fact that I, like you said, well, it's for performance. As it kind of grew and I would speak their problems and what we're dealing with, it's like, well, people want the community aspect or whatever it is. Um, it is different these days. The whole trail running scene, especially that I'm in trail and mountain, is is different. It's it boomed. Like I'm, like I say, before social media, I, I was in weird forums trying to find ultras and just hoping that it would be a race when I turn up and it'd just be a field of old men kind of thing. Now, I'm one of the old men kind of thing, yeah, yeah. really. So it's it has changed for, for the good uh, in the most part. And and it, what would happen is over the years I realised that. Well, it's a career, so that's the other thing. So I do it full time. So a lot of the time people say, well, you might have a lot of people in your, I might coach a lot of people, or how do you manage all this? But it's like, well, that's all I do. I'm not a race director. I'm don't, not, not doing massage. I'm not doing this. I'm not an electrician. Doing, I'm not working for the council 60 hours a week and then being a coach at weekends when I'm knackered. That's all I do. So that's how it's sometimes a little bit different to how other mm. people might work. Yeah, that's a nice place to be. Um, let's talk a little bit about your Instagram because we obviously we've watched a, a lot of your reels and particularly enjoy anything that gets at the real bullshit that people do and think about running. What is some of, because I know you kind of tend to kind of do these, I don't want to say myth busting because that sounds like a horrible old kind of cliche now, but what is kind yeah. of some of the worst advice you've seen people promote? Because uh, that seems to be a, a running I... theme of yours on Instagram. It's just like the things that, you know, a lot of people will say about running and here's why it's not true. Yeah, I think what I'll do is uh, I've always had a particular kind of sense of humour. So the videos that I do now are the same kind of videos that I was doing again with my clients. That's mm -hmm. how it started. I put it in my Facebook group and they said, and then one time I put it on my Facebook page and it went, loads of people saw it basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I did another one and another one. And then I learned how to leverage that into kind of getting people through the business and stuff like this so it's always it's always structured in a way of it is work for me yeah but I enjoy making those videos and the only benefit I need is that it helps my coaching business so it's a good position to be in the way um and it comes to the myth busting and things if I see a lot of stuff that either I think is ridiculous or I think I don't agree with then then I'll probably make a video about it. Yeah, it's it's not 
any of ever like an individual thing or even that I even if I'm honest I don't even care that much yeah because it's running and yeah. running for most people shouldn't be the one thing that they have in their lives if we can't have a laugh or if I can't take the piss out of running like it used to be a people used to know me as a person that like spoke up against foam rolling which I mm. did but I just it was like poking the bear a little bit, yes. <laughs> if you're going to get that angry about me saying that there's no point in using a foam roller, then that's your problem, not mine. And yeah. it's I've always had a kind of good relationship from that point of view. I just, it's running at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, it's usually a method or a bit of equipment or, or whatever. But at the same time, uh, I'm happy if people go about using whatever, doing whatever, because it is just running <laughs> and nobody really cares <laughs> yeah that is that, at the end of the day that is the most important thing no one uh, well, we often say in our club is like in the nicest possible way no one cares about your time or your yeah. performance in a nice way yeah and the more i kind of speak to people and i want i, I have to strike a balance and try and make an impact and help people learn i think i've got enough knowledge to help some people learn along the way again it got social media got to a point and I might have been guilty of this, where it just seems like everyone's telling you what not to do, or that this is stupid, everything is bullshit kind of thing, like you would say, mm-hmm. yeah, but not giving you the alternative. Yeah, It's like, mm-hmm. foam rollers are shit, don't use them, blah, blah, blah. But then there's no alternative, there's no like, but you should be doing this. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I try and put that spin on it as well. Okay, and yeah. uh, a lot of the time, it's just me. Yeah, it's just like that running is all like, like takes over things so i'll make something that i might think is funny a lot of the time it'll flop and a lot of the time the things i don't think are funny people seem to find funny and for everyone that does think something is funny i'm well aware there's 10 people that don't find it funny and think i'm a dick basically (laughs) which is fine because it is just running and i'm probably a different kind of person if you met me yeah 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 um, so as we get towards the end here, we have to ask you our final question, which is what is the most bullshit thing about running? Um, yes, yeah, so, see, I'm, I, it's a difficult question, I think, because like touching on what we just talked about, nothing really winds me up and I don't hate anything about what anyone is doing within running because again, I either don't care enough yeah. or, I understand that it's just running. The one, like, if I was to put my finger on something, I think sometimes it's it's just, maybe it is the fact that nobody cares, yeah? Like, I've devoted 15 years of my life to this, and my mum doesn't care about my running. My family don't, really, yeah? But I feel like I've dedicated 15 years of my life to it, so yeah. maybe it's the fact that nobody cares at the end of the day, uh, yeah, which so might think- not be a bad thing either, so... When you're really excited about something, you're trying to tell someone, and you could just see they're glazing over it, think, "What are you doing that for?" And it's like, oh, "But it's the really big thing." But if you understood, you'd you'd know it was a big thing, but you don't. So, yeah. yeah. Or either you've gone, you've been doing it so long, you forget what that was like, and you have to give some people a bit of leeway when they're in the first six months or year of running, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if people uh, like the sound of this kind of online coaching and they want to find out a bit more about you, where where can they go? Uh, I suppose the easiest place is to go to Instagram, Gary House underscore. I always say, watch a bit of my stuff or listen to me speak for a little bit before you think about coaching with me because mm-hmm. my coaching style might be a little bit different. 
and then yeah you have there's free training plans and stuff on my website houserunningclub.com so there's plenty of free content out there before you even think about asking me to coach you yeah (laughs) great thank you very much good stuff mate So a big thank you to Gary. And yeah, particularly enjoyed the final section there about, you know what, just no one cares about your running. Mm, yeah, I feel like it's something we spent hours and hours doing. and Literally no one cares. I'll come back and for my run, I'll be telling Freya about it. And she's sat there like zoning out like she just not. I mean, we've had so whole sections of this podcast talking about your mum not caring about running at all. She's, I mean, she still listens. Yeah. I said, fuck it, she gives us money, so I don't care. But doesn't <laughs> fundamentally doesn't care. And like, it's when... We've said before, like when you tell someone about something that you've done, that's impressive and they are impressed, but they're not impressed in the right way because they don't really Mm. understand what they're being impressed by. They're impressed that you've just gone outside, but you're like, no, 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 I've done this really amazing thing. They're like, oh yeah, that's good. No, no, it's better than that. You know, what's even worse is if you've got a parent or a relative that's been in the armed forces and you tell them you've run a distance they've ran that distance with a full backpack on and all their bloody guns and their full kit and they've done that and they've done double that and then they've they've i don't know done a million press-ups or something as well and yeah don't enter those sorts of they're the conversations i have my dad i say oh yeah i did an ultra that was 30 30 miles in the brecon 20 miles in the brecon Mm. beacons i've been to the brecon beacon we did it in full kit yeah okay okay Okay. (laughs) yeah i think that i think that's worse than than not care yeah that's yeah that's that's much worse (laughs) it's the world So if a weird running story hits the BBC, we get sent it a lot. Uh, And that was the case this week for an article about the Tunnel Ultra. Now, this is a race in a straight one-mile tunnel. You run from one end to the other, turn around and run back a hundred times. Another classic example of a race being pretty hard. And then the race organisers, they have a little, they stroke their chins and think, how can we make this even worse? Well, you know, buckle up for this one. There's a 55-hour cutoff for the 200-mile race. You're not allowed headphones. You're not allowed to run with another runner. And for six hours each night, the already low lights get turned off. So it's pitch black. And a quirk of this tunnel is there's a glowing speaker in the centre that plays music like this. horrific that is um like some sort of torture method yeah i mean this would this would ruin your mind completely yeah have they have they designed it to be a torture method like some like, no no really, this is really just awful. like a, this is just a thing the normal the tunnel has all the time it just has like classical music playing oh. obviously when the bbc went to film this clip it was this violin music and like if it was this that would that would melt you yeah, I feel like it's been... Because we have music we put on to calm our dogs down that has been scientifically... Like, the, everything about it, the tones and stuff, have been okay. have been designed to calm dogs down. This feels like the opposite of that for yeah. humans. Like, very carefully selected. Like, imagine 40 hours in, you haven't spoken to anyone, you're not allowed to run with anyone, you're not allowed to wear headphones, and you hear that. When they say you're not allowed to run with anyone, surely you would be running with 
that you just be you, is it like at school they're like no talking yeah you no, end up yeah, running is, alongside yeah. someone <laughs> yeah you're, you're not allowed to run alongside someone because then they're like pacing you or you'd be because they don't even want you talking to them they, oh it's just God. about you and the runners they spoke to in the article that they're, they're mostly very aware of how deeply disturbing this all is and one describes it as a midlife crisis anonymous meeting <laughs> It's one of those races where people enjoy the fact their entire world is reduced to run, eat, drink, toilet, and nothing else. Now, that is, it's just deeply worrying, isn't it? Yeah. It's something Holly and I talked about this week. Is like, you, I don't think you can be a normal, balanced, happy person and also do things like this. Like, there has to be a trauma there for you to fully commit to these kind of races and keep going back. Oh, definitely. Yeah, everything about it is designed to break. You must already be a broken person if you can do that and come out the other side. <laughs> I can see you might do one or something like this, one or two maybe as like a bit of a quirk or just a bit of a novelty. But there are people that like seek out these kind of races and do them over and over again. Mm. And it's like, come on, come on. There's something so wrong. Well, it, it's probably cheaper than therapy. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. But God. Now, this is a long read. Uh on the bbc so please check our social media for the link or the episode 102 page on our website it is bonkers and absolutely worth the read it's it's terrifying Mm. more on the spine race that as we said just happened on the pennine way in england firstly the article we happen to look at on run 24 7 about the challenger distance which is 160 miles the article said there were two winners as tim bradley and brian hutchinson crossed the line together so first woman irene kinnigan doesn't count as a winner then yeah no just two winners just two men won it and then there was no winner in the in the female race no no Ugh. Also, at Eden Cottage on Twitter said, a BBC breakfast voiceover said that Damien Hall set a new course record for the spine, completely missing the fact that it's a new men's record, but not a new course record, which was set by Jasmine Paris as a woman, gasp. And that's absolute bullshit. Yeah, I guess perhaps they just saw the thing and said, oh, Damien Hall's run the men's record. They've gone, oh, the men's record must be the normal record, must be the overall course record, of course. Oh, it, uh, it shows how ignorant people are like we know like people in running know that women quite frequently win ultra marathons yeah. and that was know? a big yeah, jasmine paris getting that one was a big deal as well so mm. bbc breakfast whoever did that they're not covering much running are they no no not much ultra running anyway anyway there was plenty of drama in the races with these two finishing together damien hall and jack scott also crossing the line together for the 268 miler and of course gabby naya getting across the line in the easy short one with only nine minutes to go oh that was close oh close close Runners had to take on waist-deep snow and bog in places, and the temperature dropped to minus 17. That is mad. Minus 17. That's insane. And it was mostly dark. Just why? Just why? Why? I mean, the photos from it, like, there's one photo that's, you know, has been everywhere. This guy is just covered in frost. His whole face and beard and hair and eyelashes are frosted up completely. And, like, yeah, um, I think it was Damon Hall, Jack Scott, they were out front. And they had to work together to, like, just break the course because they had to just, like, wade through the snow for the other one to follow for a bit. And then the other one would take over just to get through the snow. And it's just, again, it's just one of these races. It's just too much. It is too much. Why are you doing it in January? It's a stupid time to do it. Yep. Dangerous. I don't, I, I, ugh, what is wrong with it? Shouldn't be allowed. 
Speaking of things that shouldn't be allowed, Achana Murray Bartlett missed out on the Australian marathon team. So she did what anyone else would do and ran the most consecutive daily marathons by a woman on her way to running from the north to the south of Australia. That is 3,900 miles in 150 days. Back-to-back marathons every day. And that must have got really hot. That was, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's Australia. There was obviously snakes and scorpions and drop bears the whole way. <laughs> just like, I can't be in the marathon team. I'll show you. I'll show you by running 150 marathons. And they're like, um, this is why we didn't choose her, because she is mental. Did she go through the centre of Australia? Because Australia, the centre part of the country, is not very densely populated at all. Did yeah, she go, like, around the coast? I think so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, in the article, it does say how she went uh, on the coast. Uh, yeah, I assume you would. I don't think you'd do it in a straight line, because that would be mental. No, no. Yeah, but you're probably adding, I don't know, well, yeah, you probably are adding a bit of distance on doing it that way. But yeah, you wouldn't be able to manage it straight through the middle, I guess. But, but she wanted to do yeah, 150 days straight, so. Yeah. And actually, uh, as we're talking about it, there's a guy who ran a marathon every single day in 2022. So he's now got that oh, record yeah. for 365 in a row, which is just, yep. God. I think I saw him on the news on New Year's Eve when we were watching TV on New Year's Eve. And yeah, it was quite a big deal, wasn't it? It was quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think like for him and that and, you know, of course, anything about the spine, listen to another proper running podcast. I'm sure there are plenty of normal, boring ultra podcasts out there that will cover those in a lot more detail. We just want the shit stuff. That's all yeah, oh, yeah. don't come to this podcast like looking for actual decent coverage of these things. Because also where just finally, I very professionally searched for running news. Uh, and one of the headlines that came up on Google News was from Lad Bible. And it uh. said... Men are freaked out after learning what stitch running along bottom of scrotum is. And I just wanted to let you all know that I found that. Oh, my God. I just love the idea that men were freaked out. (laughs) What, did they just go around telling people in the street? And they were just like, whoa! Weird. How is, again, how is that... How is that an article? How have you been through, like, journalism school? You've got a degree and now you're writing headlines like that. It's very optimistic to assume anyone that writes for Lad Bible has been through journalism school. I don't oh, think yeah, they've sorry. been through yeah, primary good... schools. <laughs> well, that is the audience, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh. Making powerful enemies there. I, I think the Venn diagram of people who read Lad Bible and people who listen to these podcasts are two completely different Well, the, the kind of people that might grass us up of the 14 people that are listening, yeah, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what have you got coming up next? Canicross Cross again. Uh, this time in, in Wire Forest. Don't really know where that is. Near Birmingham, apparently, but I know it doesn't really narrow it down because Birmingham's massive. So yeah. just more of that, nice. as usual, for me. How about you? Not much, just planning some long runs. I want to sort of do runs that aren't just the same every single time I do a long run. Uh, yeah, we need. I need to take you back up to the hills again, don't we? Because we were going to in December, but obviously the weather was horrendous. Yes. So, yeah, we do need to do that again. That would be very funny. Yeah, because a lot of the ones that I've got planned from the go from my house are quite flat because it's sort of flat yeah. everywhere so mm-hmm. so yeah i am planning like a coastal route where i go up to clamwit major from mm-hmm. mine up there i guess it'd be like 18 20 miles and that's but again i looked at the i looked at my thing and it said like it's like a 500 feet of elevation or something it's not much so yeah yeah you get quite a lot there but actually something i thought about today something i might try and do once if not twice is just try and do some long hikes so kind yeah. of do I know 18 miles or something but just walking it because that will take fucking ages mm. and that's if anything that's like more of a logistics test of how much I can carry how much I need to eat and kind of plan I need to take different clothes with me 
So I might try and do that just as a way to be on my feet for a really, really long time. Yeah. But not, but not like running 30 miles because that would just ruin me. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the key thing as well. I need to do is building more time on feet for sure. Yeah. Give that a go. Mm. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast, where we explore the negative aspects of running. We hope you found the information and perspectives shared in this episode to be enlightening. Remember, there are many forms of exercise to choose from, and it's important to consider all options before committing to one. We'll be back next week with another episode diving into alternative forms of exercise and their potential benefits. Until then, stay safe and healthy. Also from an AI. Amazing. Thanks. Bye. Bye. freezing cold snowy sleety watery rain crap